Welcome everybody to The Patriot and The Preacher. We're glad to be back on. We have two new stations we're welcoming from the Norfolk, Virginia area, and then in the Lynchburg area by Liberty University. I'm Mark Anthony, your Patriot. Hey, this is Pastor Todd Coconado, The Preacher. We are glad to be back with everybody, and this is a special election edition. We have three amazing guests. We're really excited to have each and every one of them with us. They're going to bring something to the table and give you some information you don't have yet. So first of all, we have Dr. Gary Bauer. And for those that don't know, this man served in two positions under the Reagan administration, was the uh, was a vice president of the Family Research Council. He has been around a long time, a long time veteran, conservative Christian veteran. He's going to join us, Todd, to talk about this election and what he sees going on out there. Oh, yeah. Everyone's going to really enjoy this uh, interview with Dr. Bauer. He's got so much knowledge, and he really takes it from a spiritual standpoint and shows us what we need to understand as believers and patriots and people that care about our country. And so I think you're going to really enjoy that interview. Absolutely. We also have somebody that's never joined the show before, but he definitely will be coming back, Dr. Stephen Turley. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. So he's going to be talking about some things that actually will not only give you information on the polling data, but there's some data that he shares with us that will give you some hope about future generations, some hope. (laughs) We'll leave it right there. And then to top it off, because he has been a good friend of the show, as a matter of fact, I look back, Todd, and he was on the show four years ago the Saturday before the election. So he, wow. so we kept the tradition alive unknowingly. Father Frank Pavone is going to join us at the end of the show to talk about, he's been out in the campaign trail and we know, in fact, I think Todd, the last time he joined us, he had a Trump hat on. Yeah. Um, he is a big supporter of the president. Um, and of course, the, him at uh, the rallies and, you know, oh, you yeah. right side broadcasting, there's, you know, Father Frank Pavone. I, I turn on Alveda King's broadcast. Yeah. There's Father Frank. And there's Father Frank and he's, he's always busy. doing what? standing up for the unborn. And so he, of course, is the executive director of Priest for Life, which is the largest, it is the pro-life movement of the Catholic Church. And there is nobody out there like Father Frank. You know this, Todd. He yeah. there's he just fights tirelessly. So we wanted to have him on uh, to give his perspective and say a prayer as we close out the show. So he's going to be with us. We're really excited to have the, all three of these guests with us. And this this election, we're going to say it throughout the show, is the most important election yeah. that our generation will ever see. That's right. It's going to determine the course of this country, not only for the next four years, but for decades and the world, because the world really uh, hangs in the balance from a geopolitical standpoint and from all the different things that are going on in our world. So this is it, Mark. I mean, this is, this is a precipice moment. It is. It is. And, you know, Todd, as we were uh, prepa- as we were preparing for this week's show, I was really thinking about, I think, because I always think back to them, the founders, and how much they went through to make this country, to make this country yeah. what it is, and the yeah. faith that they followed and what yeah. they did. And I just want to leave this with the audience as we go to the news, because I want everybody to understand that this quote comes from Benjamin Rush, who was there from the very beginning until the end. He saw the fight start, and he saw the Constitution get ratified and everything in between. Listen carefully if you wonder whether or not America really is a miracle. He said that, I do not believe that the Constitution was was just merely an offspring of inspiration, but I'm perfectly satisfied that the union of the states in this form and its adoption is as much the work of divine providence than any of the miracles in the Old and New Testament. Yes, there it is. Let that sit with everybody for just a bit. That man saw everything happen. We are here. 
because God wants us to be here. Right. That's right. Um, and as, as, as our three guests are going, I'm sure talk about, we're here because what we're the largest church plant in the entire world. We've sent out more missionaries than anybody else, but we are that sh- shining city on the hill. And if everybody's wondering, Todd, whether or not this election is really, really important, look at the news in the last 10 days and all that's transpired. It is up to us, each one of us, to get out there and vote. That's right. If you haven't, Tuesday is your day. Please, please, if you can vote early, do it. If not, make sure you vote on election day. But please get out there is the most important election. Like Mark said, everything is on the line. Everything is on the line. This is our country. There couldn't be any more of a contrast, right, Todd? About the the decision between the two candidates. Biden said it best, a dark winter. A dark winter. And by the way, he meant that. It wasn't a slip of the tongue. So as we're sitting here as patriots and Christians wondering, this is our moment. November 3rd, if you haven't voted, that's your day. Make sure you exercise your right to vote because our future and the future of the world depends on it. That's right. Absolutely. So we're going to be right back. We're going to talk about a little bit of the news and break it down before our guests join us. So stay with us. We'll be right back. Hello, my name is Pastor Todd Coconato. I'm the director of the Religious Liberty Coalition. I'm here today to talk to you about a very important matter for your church or your ministry. You don't have to be a pastor to be concerned, but religious liberty in America is under attack. That's right. Right now, churches are being fined. Some pastors are being threatened with their power turned off or maybe even being thrown in jail. We have to respond. And that's why the Religious Liberty Coalition is here. We are a robust network of believers in Christ who are willing to stand together and fight for religious liberty and freedom in the United States. Not only that, but we will give you the resources and educational materials that you need, as well as legal counsel and legal protection. That's right, legal protection. If you join the coalition, you will be protected. Think about it. Joining the coalition could be the most important move that you've made for your ministry, church, or yourself. We will stand with you. You can also sponsor your church. It will be the same thing as if they joined themselves. We need this type of protection in 2020 and beyond. Join the RLC today. You can find us at www.rlcus.org. Thank you, and may God bless America. And we're back with the Patriot and the Preacher. Obviously, as a lot has happened, Todd. We had the election literally days away here. Yes. Um, I think that, you know, what I wanted to do quickly is just briefly go over some of the things we've learned to make sure our listeners are up on what's going on with Biden. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Bobolinsky. <laughs> Bobolinsky. Now, uh, th- okay, first, let's talk about that. Yeah. The business partner who um, has now interviewed with Tucker Carlson twice, um, has given detailed information to the FBI, Todd, um, yeah. has literally corroborated everything he has said with receipts and phone records and everything else. He's spelled out to the country what we pretty much already had suspected the rumors right. were, right? Yeah. We now know that Hunter Biden and his uncle and Joe um, had this amazing enterprise, really a criminal enterprise set up, considering he was the vice president of the United States at the time, Todd, um, yeah. with the Chinese, with the Russians, with the Ukrainians, and the list goes on. 
just a massive pay for play. Uh, you know, what, like you said, it, I recommend uh, The Blaze did a really good uh, documentary called Riding the Dragon, but it kind of lays this out in another way. But, you know, this, we, this has been going on for a while, Mark. And, you know, I'll tell you something, as a pastor and a patriot, because, <laughs> you know, we have the patriot and the preacher here, but, you know, we're both uh, patriots, right? And yeah. the thing is, is, is that for me, the biggest thing that I would be so upset about is, is that if they get away with all this and, and actually gain the most powerful position in the world and gain the White House after we know that mm -hmm. they have been absolute criminals, treasonous, treasonous. willing to sell out our country, willing yes. to, to partner with our biggest strategic adversary, China, the, the most dangerous country uh, to Christians, to, to our faith, to, I mean, to our republic, to our constitution, to, to freedom, world, to everything, freedom strategically. I mean, you know, I talk to missionaries and people around the globe that, that are in some of these countries that are being infiltrated by China. And they tell me, Todd, people in America don't understand how deep this is, how, how, how far along the road is the one belt, one road system. You know, this to me is the biggest travesty because it will be the, the single most uh, significant event in the world, honestly, since I think Jesus Christ has been in the flesh, because it will determine the course of the world from here on out would pretty much be communist. I know that sounds so crazy, Mark, but to be honest, that's where but, we're headed. But it absolutely isn't because they actually, not only, you're, you make a great point. Okay, we know everything they've done. We know who Kamala Harris really is. We know that yeah. she's the most liberal senator uh, in the U.S. Senate, but now they've already told us what their intentions are if they get power. So we have to believe them. Why? Because they've already they've already shown us they're capable of quite a bit. And their intention is, you know, um, our guest is going to talk about this, <clears throat> but he's right. Remember, these people hate this country, Todd. They hate the basis, the principles of this country, as we talk about all the time on this show, and they're not going to let up. What's scary is, is that we actually have to plan for what they may or may not do after the election, whether or not they win, because they're planning to cause chaos again. Yeah. Yeah. Billions of dollars, uh, you know, are always invested with all these agent provocateurs and community organizers like Barack Hussein Obama that are on the ground, that are organizing people that really just want a paycheck to go out and loot and riot and burn down the cities. And, you know, it's hurting everybody. It's not just hurting white, you know, males. Okay. Let's get this right out of here. It's hurting black males, it's hitting black women, it's hitting Hispanic men and women, it's hitting Asians, because these businesses that are being burned, and by the way, they're not always, uh, you know, covered by insurance. So people are losing their whole life's work, and, and, and then some, and, and they're, they're being put in danger. And the fact that these people are willing to do this, I mean, I spoke to somebody the other day from the Trump campaign, and they, you know, a minister, and they were saying to me, Todd, I, it just baffles my mind that people aren't in the streets, that patriots aren't in the streets pushing back at this point because they push the needle so far, Mark. And yet here we are today, we're, we're staring communism right in the face and only a couple days away from the biggest decision that our country is going to make probably since Abraham Lincoln. I completely agree. I completely agree. We have never seen such a consequential um, decision right before us. And it will change the course of history for this country, the entire world. Everybody must remember that what we're talking about here, you know, somebody put on Facebook, hey, can you send me another conspiracy theory? Because all of mine are coming true, right? Uh, everything, you know, but by the way, just to show you how far they're going to go, the, the Customs and border, uh, border Patrol chief had his Twitter account suspended. Why? Yeah. 
Yeah. Because he was talking about the wall. So that's offensive. Twitter took that down. Sure. A lot of the news is not making it to everybody, but let's be clear that this battle is about good versus evil. Yeah. Right yeah. now. So, and so much. when you talk about communism, let's just do this, Todd, because there's a, here's a taste of communism. I know you posted this, but everybody has seen <laughs> California. The California. Uh, do we? <laughs> California Thanksgiving rules, which are just really out of the communist manifesto. I mean, it's unbelievable. So does has uh, for for the viewers benefit for for our uh, I'm sorry, our listeners and viewers who has everybody looked at what California is really going to be doing? Todd, do you have the rules in front of you by any chance? I don't have them in front of me, but they're so bizarre that I had to keep looking and checking and making sure I wasn't losing, you know, like. Yeah. Somebody just put up some things so, because they're so beyond crazy, Mark. Why don't you read them? Yeah. <laughs> okay. I'm looking, I'm bringing it up right now. I, okay, here we go. California. So, and here are the guidelines. Uh, gatherings are defined as social situations that bring people together. Here we go. No more than three households. All gatherings must include no more than three households. And the longer the duration, the risk of transmission increases everybody. Uh, but there's more. Um, Masks must stay on after and during eating and drinking. Um, and if you're going to remove it, make sure you're six feet away. Yeah. Uh, singing and shouting is strongly discouraged. So no arguing about politics. Uh, keep a social dis distance. Make sure you maintain hand hygiene. Um, a place for washing hands or hand sanitizer must be made available for use at the gathering of all attendees. Um, so, so but there's, it, it is a long list and you, um, who makes this stuff up? I mean, does Gavin just sit there and like laugh while he's making this stuff? You know I mean? Seriously. I mean, tyrannical. Guy, come on. He's not supposed to be stupid. I mean, he's not a stupid guy. I mean, is he really sitting there with like his staff or whatnot? And they're just like making these, well, come on. Are they laughing? They're saying like, how far can we make this? Crazy? Until they push back. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I want to bring this up as we close out the news. We're going to come up with our guests because I just found this so amazing in Orange County, Florida. You may have seen this, Todd. I just, I, uh, a pregnant woman in Florida was on her way to the hospital to give birth, but she made a stop. <laughs> she, this is true. She made a detour to vote in the 2020 election. She stopped by the polling location. Um, and, uh, it's an important election, Mark. It's that important. <laughs> I just want, that's why I'm bringing this story up. She knew how important it was. She delayed the birth of her child or maybe just, Hey, listen, Hey, if you can do that. Do it because do you got to vote. Everybody's got to vote. Please get out and vote. My so don't say you can't vote because right. she stopped on the way to the labor delivery room. All right. We're going to, we're going to be right back with our first guest, Dr. Gary Bauer. Stay with us. Welcome back to The Patriot and the Preacher. We have a really special guest joining us, Gary Bauer, um, well-known in politics and in the faith community. We are really excited to have you join us, Gary. Welcome to the show. Well, it's great to be with you. It's uh, great to have a friendly interviewer today. You know, usually I'm looking for where to do the quick escape. So it's <laughs> <laughs> you, are, you are in friendly territory. Gary, 
the election, as we all know, is just days away. You have you've watched it closely. You've been involved in many others. And we were just talking before we walked into the studio. As it stands right now, what do you think is going to happen? Where does Donald Trump stand? You know, I, it's really hard to feel certainty in, in the kind of uh, uh, atmosphere that we have in this country right now. Uh, I, I tend to be optimistic uh, about, about it at the end of the day. Ronald, I worked for Ronald Reagan for eight years, and uh, Reagan used to say that he would trust the first 100 names in the Boston telephone directory over the uh, 100 professors from Harvard. <laughs> and I, I do, you know, have a great deal of confidence in the wisdom of the American people. On the other hand, uh, the, the monopoly the left has on almost all forms of communication and the unprecedented amount of money that they have raised uh, in order to smear the president, the vice president and conservatives generally. And, and then finally, the element of, of cheating, which I think we all feel Mm-hmm. It's a very real possibility, and that there's already been a couple of examples of, of that happening uh, in, in the early voting that we're going through now. Yeah. So if, if you yeah. were to call it right now, is he going to is is he going to be able to pull it through the finish line? You think, Gary? Uh, I yeah. If I'm going to make a bold prediction and uh, and say that he is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and look, I I think. Uh, something that may be underrated in all of this is every time that the president goes out and, and does three or four rallies speaking an hour plus at every one of them and, and then we uh we cut the the joe biden talking to you know 35 cars yeah. uh, it is a subliminal reminder to millions of americans that this guy we have as president works he works for the american right. taxpayer he earns his salary every day and uh, Biden, uh, I think, is signaling that he's just not up to the job. So that's one reason I'm going to go with Trump. The other reason I'm going is that uh, there are no hidden Biden voters. Trust me, every person in my neighborhood that's for Biden, uh, mm-hmm. I hear from them every day. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're they're talking about it, right? And I think the number of hidden Trump voters, uh, shy Trump voters, whatever you want to call it, is even higher than it was four years ago for obvious reasons. That's right. Mr. Bauer, you know, this is, you mentioned you're, you've been around Washington for a long time. You've seen different campaigns, including the Reagan campaigns. This is the most bizarre campaign I think I've ever seen anyone run on the Biden side. I mean, the guy is like, you know, many have been referring to basically in his basement, but I mean, what is he even running on? And I don't under, I don't see the enthusiasm to your point you know, if he has a rally, it's pathetic. And, you know, they, of course, attribute that to social distancing and that they're the ones being careful. But in reality, I think it's that people just don't show up. And so, you know, wh- how can we even explain what is their strategy? Is it is it just to cheat? I mean, what is behind this bizarre campaign? Well, you know, you mentioned the cheating part of this. It has one made me wonder whether they're so confident of what they're going to be able to do illegally that they didn't feel like they had to campaign much. But beyond that, I, I think the, the decision they made was that under the best of circumstances, they were never able to, they would never be able to compete with the kind of crowds that Donald Trump can routinely turn out. So I think they made a decision why even try to compete with him. 
and be constantly compared uh, unfavorably to him. So they took this approach of saying, uh, look, we're not going to do big crowds because we want to protect the American people from the coronavirus. So it has played in very nicely with the only issue they're really running on, which is the virus. And then I, I think the final thing here is they, they know they don't have enthusiasm. So again, I think this was a very intentional decision. They wanted the election not to be an election between do you like Donald Trump or do you like Joe Biden, but rather an election between do you like Donald Trump or do you hate Donald Trump? Mm. They're counting on um, all the the hatred we have seen for four years against the president and the vice president and conservatives generally. And I think they're banking on, you don't have to love Biden. You just have to despise the president. Mm, that's a, that's a really good point, Gary. Uh, speaking, Todd brought this up and it's true. I didn't put everything that you've done in, in, in your introduction because it's quite long. You not only served with the, uh, under the, uh, President Reagan, the secretary, under secretary of education, you were chief domestic policy advisor vice president for the Family Research Council and senior vice president of Focus on the Family. So Gary, in all your years in politics, you've watched the liberals start to, let's say, evolve, if you will, over time and, and, and with their messaging. But have you ever seen them at this fever pitch and with the level of evil that we're looking at right now? Look, uh, you can go back into the 60s and 70s, and you can see um, seeds of this on the right mm -hmm. and left. Uh, I remember some of the big anti-war marches in Washington, D.C., uh, where uh, literally, you know, five, six, seven hundred thousand people uh, marching down Pennsylvania Avenue uh, with the, the people at the beginning of the march carrying the flags of the Viet Cong and the North Vietnamese. And that's mm -hmm. back in, you know, 1969, 1970. But that hadn't permeated the entire liberal ether. It, it hadn't right. taken over the Democrat Party the way we see it now. I, I, you know, I still see old line Democrats, but they're scared to death. I mean, I see guys that used to be reasonable and they are so afraid they're going to be primaried in the next election cycle uh, that they're willing to do and say almost everything. So, no, this is a level of craziness uh, that I think is unprecedented. And, and an even more deep level, I think increasingly, and the, the polling data backs this up, the left uh, not only doesn't love America anymore, they don't much like America. That's right. Uh, right. The polling shows that among young Democrats between the ages of 18 and 40, it, that is the least patriotic group in the American electorate. And uh, I think that's a terrible thing for the Democrat Party, but it's also a terrible thing for America because we have basically a two-party system. And that means periodically the Democrat Party gets to govern. And if you don't much like America and you're going to be governing America, we're going to see more and more of the kind of nuttiness and indoctrination that we've been seeing in our schools and our universities going forward uh, as the left goes further down that road.
That's right. And, and Mr. Bauer, you mentioned Absolutely. the infiltration and in, in the educational institutions and the way that they're teaching with the curriculum, anti-American curriculum. And, you know, you also mentioned, I think it was before we got on the interview, but that we're outspent. And so how do we combat this when we're so far outspent? We got the media apparatus against us. We got social media and the tech companies against us. What is the plan of action on, on the right to take back this territory? Oh, wow. Uh, now we're getting into the really tough stuff, right? Uh, oh, I think I'm out of time. <laughs> uh, no, look, uh, I mean, I ask myself that every day. Um, look, they, they, don't, they, they not only beat us among uh, the billionaires, and, and, you know, in its own way, that's almost to be expected. These are the global elites, you know, Silicon Valley types and so forth. And uh, uh, they are offended by uh, American patriotism or nationalism, and so they're offended by Donald Trump. But the left's also beating us among the donors that give 25, 50 bucks. And so we've got to be more adept at setting up these platforms that the left got a head start on us with. I forget the name of some of them, but uh, I know you you all are familiar with them. Just the average guys can go on and hit a button on their computer, you know, and and give $25. And we've got to do a lot more of that uh, if we're going to remain or become more competitive. Agreed. Gary, you know, our primary audience out there are Christian conservatives. So as as we're talking this weekend and Election Day is days away, what would you like to say to them as a – some words of wisdom as they go to the polls? Well, uh, I I think the election in its own way is probably going to be decided by people uh, that are at work on Friday and in church on Sunday. Mm -hmm. Um, Those types of voters have been gravitating toward the conservative side of the political divide for a long time, and they certainly are a huge part of President Trump's coalition. I, I think the unique thing here is that uh, while some people think it's un- that he's an unlikely candidate to do this, he's brought out a higher percentage of those types of voters than even a George W. Bush did. Uh, and what the, the other thing the president did was bring out these blue collar workers who, who may or may not be churchgoers. And so I think that's the coalition of the future, working class people, even secular working class people, and then a really large uh, vote of people that take faith seriously. Speaking to those faith-based voters, I would say, and I guess to the working class people too, look, you don't have to be the guy that goes out and knocks on 50 doors between now and election day. Not everybody wants to do that. But you can certainly talk to that family member uh, that's still not sure they want to vote for Donald Trump, or you can be the person uh, that calls that guy that's in your Sunday school class and say, hey, John, I want to take one last chance to tell you why as a Christian you ought to be voting for this president who's done more to protect religious liberty, among other things, than any president in the history of the United States. So I'm hoping that all these people will not only stand in those lines, on Tuesday and vote, whatever the weather, however long the line is, but between now and then, make one last chance to lovingly try to win over the heart of somebody that's closest to you in your family, your neighborhood, your church, your synagogue, 
or somebody that um, you, you regularly uh, talk to one way or the other. That can make the difference. We probably have a dozen states that on election day are going to be decided by maybe one or less percentage points. True. Let me just be a little bit more specific, Gary, because Todd and I have talked about this. To the Christians that say, <clears throat> you know, look at all that he's done in his past and the things he says. He's mean. I know he's been called mean by, you know, by the left. He's mean. He upsets people. So can you clear this up for Christians why this this decision right now is so important? Well, look, I, I mean, I when I heard that many times from mm -hmm. friends and uh and it sounds to me like what they're saying is breaking news uh donald trump is a sinner well i i got news for you everybody that will vote on election day according to christian theology is a sinner and everybody that is on the ballot for them to choose from is a sinner so i i think we need to get our theology straight here Second of all, I would urge them to, you know, over this weekend, maybe take a little bit more time reading the Bible. Because, you know, we could take hours to talk about the unlikely men and women of the Bible uh, who God chooses to be biblical heroes and heroines right. at important times in the life of the Jewish people and in the spread of Christianity. So, um, so you know, once we get all that settled then I think we can do what I believe is very logical and say, from a Christian standpoint, uh, which candidate between Donald Trump and uh, Joe Biden will predictably do the most on the public policy issues that we tend to link with uh, the Christian community, preserving the sanctity of life, uh, fighting for religious liberty, uh, making sure that America is strong because this country has sent more missionaries around the world than any other country in the world. If America is lost or if we lose our sovereignty or if we don't protect our borders, those are things that ought to be faith-based issues. Uh, you know, you'll often hear people, Christians say, look, uh, Gary, God, God loves uh, immigrants, legal and illegal. Well, God loves everybody. God also loves the American taxpayer who's got to pay for illegal immigrants. Right, right. So I think we got to get a little bit more sophisticated, a little bit more discerning uh, about how we face elections. And I think if people do that, there's only one choice this election. It's Donald Trump and Mike Pence. Yeah, there's so much at stake. And those are such valid points, Dr. Bauer. And uh, just everything that you're saying is exactly correct. I mean, I hope that people understand. I know there's been some voices out there that have said uh, some really bizarre things in the faith community that we are pretty shocked about. Uh, you know, a couple op-eds out there and different things. I'm not going to mention the names on today's program. We've already kind of talked about this. But again, you mentioned discernment, wisdom, um, looking at, I mean, life. Uh, you know, we're, we found out that the, the candidate on the Democrat side is literally involved in these really uh, bizarre deals with China and Russia, two of our biggest adversaries, a lot of information coming out, corruption. I mean, it just goes on and on. And so this couldn't be a more crucial time. Uh, Joe Biden during the recent debate said that it would be a dark winter. And I believe that's spiritual significance to that, where Donald Trump is saying, look, we've turned a corner and uh, we're ready to get this economy pumping again and get back to some normalcy here. So two very different futures. Uh, you want to just mention something on that, sir? 
Well, no, I, look, I think you're absolutely right. And a lot of those people you're referring to, and they're a very small percentage, I think, of, of the evangelical world who've written some op-eds, they also supported Hillary Clinton yes. right, in 2016. And if right. we would have listened to them then, mm-hmm. these last Supreme Court appointments would have been made by her. Wow. And we would be having a conversation right now about what in the world are we going to do to preserve our religious liberty. So they were wrong then, and and they're wrong now. I'd like to mention one other issue. I don't know if we've got the time, but... uh, Absolutely. uh, Look, I I serve on the U.S. Commission on International Religious Freedom, a Trump appointee, and we've identified communist China as the greatest persecutor of religion in the world. And they are a rising power. Right now, they've got literally millions of Muslims in re-education camps. They're going into churches and telling Christian pastors, take down the cross, take down any picture or art depiction of Jesus, uh, and put up uh, Premier Xi instead. On that issue alone, uh, Joe Biden's got a record that goes over decades of being soft on communist China. Mm -hmm. Donald Trump has confronted communist China. Uh, For that reason alone, Christians, if they care about what's happening to their fellow believers uh, around the world, need to be supporting Donald Trump and Mike Pence. Amen to that, um, Gary. And as a matter of fact, just to to tie this all together, it's already happening here in our country where Christians are being persecuted. And you make a really good point. Um, And so... That will continue to happen if we don't stand up and continue to stand for our faith. You have made some amazing points. Thank you so much for sharing your insight and wisdom with us. My my pleasure. Look forward to the celebration on Tuesday. Absolutely. All right. Dr. Gary Bauer, thank you for joining the Patriot and the Preacher. God bless you, sir. You too. Welcome back to The Patriot, The Preacher. We have a special guest joining us, Steve Turley. He's an internationally recognized scholar, speaker, and author, and he has, I'm sure, a lot to say about this upcoming election. Steve, welcome to the show. Hey, Steve. It's great to be with you guys. Thank you so much for having me. Very appreciated. It's good to have you on. So, Steve, we were, we're in the middle of gearing up for probably the most consequential election I think we've ever seen. Yes. Um, Todd and I were just talking to our um, our first guest about this. What are you seeing out there? What give us your insight as to you know how the race has changed and evolved, and let's say in the last ten days, obviously, as the news has been uh, everywhere, just not so much in our media, but internationally. What do you think is going on? What's the lay of the land? I think in many ways it is 2016 all over again, in the mm-hmm. sense that you have a massive. Uh, dichotomy uh, or discrepancy between the opinion polling that is being pushed by the mainstream media, yeah. all too gleefully, of course, right. and uh, and the the way people are actually voting. Uh, I think 2016, we saw something similar on the international stage with the Australian election in 2019. The conservatives were behind in every single poll by 10 points, blah, blah. And they went on to win in a landslide victory. And what we seem to be finding is that pollsters, um, I, I hate to say it, but they've become more propagandists yes. than, than actual analysts. And I think this is because 
in the end, it's uh, the polls can be controlled by the media, and it can be it can be it can be uh, woven into a narrative that they that they spin for us. And the narrative is uh, that globalism and secularism are good and they're wonderful, and everything that was prior to our great awakening is now uh, charred with bigotry and f all mm. kinds of phobias and discriminations and the like. And so conservatives are the ones who are actually trying to hold on to all of these evil pathologies. Yeah. And the woke uh, crowd is trying to liberate us from that and, and bring us into a, a new age of enlightenment and uh, tolerance and so on. And, and the polls are used as a way of, I think, trying to create this notion of, well, if I can't beat them, let's join them kind of thing. And it's not working. So what we're seeing is we're seeing, you know, the latest poll out in Wisconsin that has, that's being pushed that uh, I think it was an ABC poll that had Biden up by 17 <laughs> points, even although if you go to uh, Target Smart and you look at the actual votes that have been cast, the GOP is leading 42% to 36%. Wow. So the discrepancy between the opinion polling and the way people are actually polling is back again, unfortunately. Absolutely. Steve, I appreciate the work you're doing out there, man. And, you know, it's so necessary. There's a really cool title that they've given you. They said you're considered one of the most exciting voices in today's intellectual dark web. Can you explain to our listeners what is the intellectual dark web? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I think it's a phrase uh, the New York Times coined a couple of years back um, to describe, you know, people like Jordan Peterson and, uh, and others, uh, Sam Harris and these guys who found no place in the universities for their ideas. And in order to, th uh, to think freely and discuss freely about things that are really happening today in our world, particularly the, the, uh, the fragile breaking up of globalization and secularization and secular norms, I mean, no one has been talking about that more than, say, someone like Jordan Peterson. Right. We're finding that the university doesn't want to hear that. And right. so we have to go on to the web and we go to platforms like YouTube and uh, Twitter and, and Facebook uh, to be able to have uh, very rational, intelligent and calm discussions about where our world really is going. And it's not going in this great new age of wokeism is if anything that that wokeism is uh, provoking a massive backlash particularly among generation zers yeah. we're the most conservative generation that we have now uh, that we've ever studied when you look at for example what 18 year old baby boomers so right after the war what how many of them self-identified as conservatives only about 18 percent did when you looked at Generation Xers, my age group, and oh. you asked 18-year-olds, how many of you consider yourself conservatives? Only about 22% did. Millennials, it's 23%. You mm. see the pattern there, 18, 22, 23. Generation Zers, it's 30%. Oh. There was a study done in Britain that found that your typical Generation Zer is as conservative right now as your typical 40-year-old in Britain. 
Wow. That I mean, completely goes against what the people would like you to think, though, because, you know, they make it seem like all the young people are complete socialists. So you're saying that's not the case. <laughs> yeah, you got now. And, and now, to be fair, you might look at that data. So you read something from The Washington Post and they'll say, you know, 58 percent love Bernie and 62 percent are all for pro LGBT, you know, just throwing the whole alphabet. And, you know, they're all for this sort of stuff. And that's true. But what they're missing is the trajectory over the last three generations. We've gotten more and more and more conservative. So next generation might be 40% conservative. Next generation, 50% conservative. And that's, that feeds into Eric Kaufman at the University of London's uh, The Religious Shall Inherit the Earth thesis. What seems to be going on here is over the last uh, three or four decades, Religious conservatives have been not just having lots of kids, but raising them with a religiously conservative worldview through homeschooling, classical schooling, you know, Bible colleges and the like, all at the same time that secularists have actually stopped having kids, so much so that there's a 30% fertility differential there. And scholars like Philip Longman have long recognized that that's going to have profound ramifications over time. Demographics is destiny. And we seem to be seeing it. We're also finding that the more conservative your family, the more likely the children are, are going to retain their religious conservatism into adulthood, upwards of 80, even 90%. Amish have some of the highest retention rates of, of any uh, sect, for example. So I think that's what we're seeing. I think this is just going to compound and we're going to continue to see more and more conservative young people rising up and, and really uh, uh, reacting quite uh, violently uh, in, a, in a good way, in a, in a moral way, against, against the political correct wokeness that we see. I think that's the most encouraging thing I've heard in a long time, Steve. We were just we were just talking about what's going to happen to the country after Trump, and is there any hope but to hear that we've got one of the, the most conservative generation ever in that generation is real. And I'm part of the, we're part of the same generation. Yeah. And so I, that is really encouraging to hear. Um, it's also encouraging to hear that they're not, the other side isn't procreating either. Yeah. Right? <laughs> so that's, um, but <laughs> when, <laughs> let's face it. Um, so Steve, when, um, you know, Dr. Gary Bauer was just on the show with us a couple of minutes ago, and he was talking about this conservative movement that has been building for years. And so you just validated that, mm. that this has been, this has really started what these seeds that were planted years, decades ago have really started to weave through our society to hear that these, these conservative Christian families are raising children to, to follow in that way is just, it, it really is probably the best thing I've heard on our show in a long time. Wouldn't hope. you agree? It gives us hope. Yeah. It, it does. It gives us hope. I can't really stress that enough. That's great to hear. Well, you know, and that leads me to another question. So what are you seeing out there in the web? You know, I mean, because you hear that the, my dad, here's a prime example. He loves Fox News. He's a conservative. He's a Christian, obviously. But, you know, come on. Fox, I sit there and watch Fox with him during the day and I start getting sick. I'm like, what are you watching? This is garbage. Right. You know, these, this whole network sounds like MSNBC at this point, you know, mm -hmm. until you get to like Tucker and, you know, the nighttime lineup and whatnot, and then it changes and it's better. And there's a couple of good guys on there. But I keep telling him, dad, you 
got to get off Fox News. But he's so, that's all he knows. You know, he doesn't know about the alternative media. He doesn't know about podcasts. He, you know, he'll listen to some Larry Elder, you know, Dennis Prager. But, you know, so you're seeing a generation that's producing content, that's putting stuff out on the web, that's the a whole new uh, infrastructure of conservative movement, right? I mean, what are you seeing out there, man? Oh, yeah. You know, you got it. So we're moving into what's called, we're moving away from, what was technically referred to as a mass society to mm -hmm. now a network society. So a mass society starts in the 19th century, it's the Industrial Revolution, and that's where populations just amassed around these big urban centers. 90% of the country at the beginning of the 19th century was rural, only 10% were urban. At the end of the 19th century, it was reversed. 90% were urban and 10% are rural. And basically you see urban sprawl pretty much anywhere today and that created the big media that created abc nbc cbs and that big media had a monopoly over the way information was acquired and disseminated from new york city to washington dc to la and mm -hmm. chicago and the like what scholars are noticing is the world and the pandemic is certainly uh, hastening this the world's flattening out again it's actually going through kind of a neo-ruralization. People are leaving the cities because we're now connected no longer by proximity. We're proving it right now. Right. We're not connected so much. So back in the day, if I wanted to get involved with finance, I needed to move near Wall Street or some financial center. If I wanted to get involved with movies, I needed to go move to Hollywood, you know, on and on and on. You had um, mass society is locationally specific. A network society connects us, our relationship is connected through networks, through online networks. So space in the second, in a sense, becomes secondary. It, it's not as important as it was or as imperative as it was. Now that has its own things because I believe in, yeah, obviously we want sacred space, we love communities, all that sort of stuff, no question. But these are the processes that are happening. And so information is no longer monopolized uh, by centralized structures. Perfect example is back in the day, if you wanted to send anything, it was through the post office. <laughs> can you imagine somebody saying the only way we can send things to people crazy? today is... Right. And, you, and you see this with the whole Hunter Biden thing and the like. The idea that you can hide these revelations from people by just announcing a blackout on uh, ABC, CBS, CNN, MSNBC, New York Times, Washington Post is abs as absurd as saying we can hide information from people by just not sending it to their mailboxes. Right. It's that absurd now. Right. So we go through Skype, we go through Zoom, we go through email, we go through text, we go through FaceTiming, we go through all these ways that we now relate to each other and a whole new generation of media and information acquisition and dissemination is rising up as a result of that. And there's really nothing they can do to control it. They tried, uh, you know, the cancel culture and the like, but you, again, you can't fully cancel voices any more than the post office can. Right, yeah, absolutely, great analogy. Steve, uh, Steve before we go, Time for a prediction. How? What is going to happen on election night? First of all, will the president take the White House? Are we getting the House back? And are we going to keep the Senate? Okay, so um, it all depends on what happens to Donald Trump. If Donald Trump has a great night and then you're going to have coattails and everything 
fits if he has a rough night, you know, all bets are off, right? Uh, to me, the most, uh, the single most accurate um, polling model, forecasting model, is what's known as the primary model. Are you familiar with that? No. That's Helmet. That's Helmet Norpoth from the University of Stony Brook, and it is a it is predicted rightly twenty five of the last twenty seven elections. That's going all the way back to nineteen twelve. And has a very interesting methodology. It l- does not look at opinion polls at all, not a bit. What it looks at is the primary vote winner. And 1912 was the first time that a presidential candidate had to win the primaries. And what you find is an uninterrupted pattern of whoever wins the highest amount of votes in their respective primaries goes on to win always the general election. We've never had, for example, somebody winning over 75% of the vote in their primaries go on to lose. They've always gone on to win. And President Trump won 94% of the vote in his primaries. And hence, Helmut Norpolf gives him a 91% chance at re-election with the tide swinging to the GOP. How much that tide swings, we'll have to find out. There was a fascinating article that just came out today that found that three veteran Democrats, we're talking Democrats that have been there for decades, are in real trouble mm-hmm. with some serious GOP challengers. One of them is the, uh, I'm forgetting his name, and it's shame on me, but he was the uh, military a veteran who was on that train to Paris a few years ago, and uh, he and two other Americans thwarted a right. terrorist attack with a shooter. But yeah. He's running for office in Oregon. And he's, he's trying to take out one of their Democrats' uh, veteran um, incumbents. It'll be really neat to see if that, if that uh, plays out. So um, if all of the seats that are toss-ups go the GOP way, we're actually within about five, six, seven seats of taking over the House. So I don't buy any of the polls. I don't listen to the polls. I'm just looking at the votes right now. Trump is killed. The Republicans are killing it in Florida, in Ohio, and no presidential candidate has won in the last several elections without either Florida and Ohio, and Trump is winning them both. Good news, Dr. Stephen Turley. It was really great to have you on. Thank you for your analysis. Great to have you on, Steve. Really oh, great. It's great to be with you guys. Thank you. Thank, thank you for coming on. We'll have you back soon. This is The Patriot and The Preacher. We'll be right back. Welcome back to The Patriot and the Preacher. We have a very good friend of the show joining us. And by the way, Father Frank Buffone from Priest for Life. Good to have you, Father Frank. Thanks for coming on. Great to be here. I wanted to let you know. Thank you. I wanted to let you know. I was looking back in our archives. You may probably don't remember this, but you did join us four years ago, the Saturday before the election. So thanks for keeping the tradition alive. It's good to have you back. We have to keep the tradition alive and and (laughs) part of the tradition uh, that we're going to keep alive is that we won. And we that's uh, that's right. <laughs> the biggest part. <laughs> that is the biggest part. Father Frank, you've been very busy. Uh, as we were discussing before we started, you are um, you are out there uh, speaking um, your your voice with um, your other partners, such as Alveda King and the rest of um, Priests for Life. So tell us, what have you been up to? What have you seen out there? Well, we see more enthusiasm than ever before for this campaign, and and I'm talking about 
by every metric. Uh, you know, the size of the rallies is clear. But, you know, when you dig deeper, first of all, the better polls, the more accurate polls show the momentum in, in President Trump's favor. But but there's other metrics, too. There's the there's the early voting. There's the voter registration in both of those areas. The Republicans are doing way better than uh, than expected or or better than the norm. Uh, that usually happens. And then the the ground game, the, the Trump campaign this time around is the largest, single largest ground game operation of any election in American history. They mm. long ago broke through the record from last time from 2016 in terms of we're talking about volunteers, two and a half million volunteers. We're talking about voter contacts uh, by phone and by knocking on doors. Uh, the 158 million voter contacts, and they're they're heading towards 200 million by by election day. Um, this is what wins elections. I mean, this is the voter to voter contact, and all of us are working hard to get the message out about the president's tremendous accomplishments. And the other thing I did, and I know that you you uh, see this uh, like like we all do. It's incredible to me how people right up to the highest echelons of the Democrat Party are willing to continue lying mm. in Trump when those lies have been completely debunked. Yes. For example, oh, he never condemns white supremacy. Well, he most certainly does, you know, just right. look it up. If Absolutely. You know, search engine. Um, oh, well, you know, he banned Muslims from the United States. He most certainly did not. Uh, his, his, uh, uh, restrictions on travel had to do with one thing and one thing only, and the Supreme Court reaffirmed this, and that was protecting us from terrorists. That's I think right. if these critics of the president would like the terrorists roaming around in their neighborhood. So, and so I put up, and actually I, I put up a new website called electionhonesty.com, and uh, it takes 12 of the most common lies hmm. that are told about the president and debunks them. And it's no original research of mine. In fact, my point was to show how easy it is to find the information online to right. debunk these lies. And yet Joe Biden, Kamala Harris, and these top Democrats keep repeating the same lies. I mean, after a while, I mean, this is not a political campaign. It's a, it's, it's a joke, you know, it's, yeah. and it's sin too. We believe that, you know, there's such a thing as a sin of calumny, the sin of slander, the sin of rash judgment, and, um, you know, religious people, no matter what their political preferences, ought to be speaking up against this. Absolutely. I 100 percent agree. And that's why we're so thankful, Father, for the work that you're doing out there, because you're standing for life. And I, I have to be the one to ask you this question because I'm so excited. Amy Coney Barrett just got confirmed to the Supreme Court. How many years have we been praying for this? This has been, and, and look at the timing. I mean, literally days before the election, President Trump stands there with Justice Clarence Thomas. That, that was yes. a, that makes the, the folks on the left, their heads must have been spinning off uh, that <laughs> night. But now President Trump, Justice Clarence Thomas, and Amy Coney Barrett. This is literally a dream come true. I mean, we were back, back in the, in the, uh, the days where the uh, Kavanaugh hearings were taking place. Uh, you know, we were saying, okay, now, can we hope that Ruth Bader Ginsburg gets replaced by Amy Coney Barrett? We were having those discussions, you know, within the pro-life movement and elsewhere. That was our dream scenario. Yes. And little did we know that President Trump would get to do that before his first term was completed. Many presidents don't have a chance to appoint any 
Supreme Court justices, and uh, both with, with, with George W. Bush, Barack Obama, Bill Clinton, they, they each had eight years as president. And in those eight years, they each appointed two uh, Supreme Court justices. Now, Donald Trump, w- one term so far, and he's got three up there. That's one third of the court. So it, we are really so happy about this. And, um, you know, and, and the bottom line is we're not happy with, with Amy Coney Barrett because of her personal views. We're happy with her precisely because she sticks to the Constitution, and we know full well that there is no right to abortion in the Constitution. Absolutely. Uh, Amen. People telling us, oh, here's how I'm going to vote on this, or I want to put my personal preferences into that. No, we just want someone who's going to say, you know what, my job is to be impartial and to apply the Constitution as written. When you do that, that's how you get pro-life decisions. Absolutely. Absolutely, Father Frank. That's a great point. And you're right. We're all, we were all very happy that night when that all happened. And I can tell you from walking the streets of D.C. the next morning, you could spot who the liberals were because they were uh, looking down on the ground, wandering around, wondering what had just happened. Uh, because not only did she get confirmed, but of course, as, as people around the president often say, he operates on Trump time. So an hour later, she gets sworn in. <laughs> yes. Right? Yes. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Father Frank, you know, we just brought up the Supreme Court. This is the, these are issues you've been working on your, your entire life almost. Yeah. So to see this all come to fruition, to see a president that is defending religious liberty, that is the most pro-life president that we have ever seen by far. Yes. Does this give you hope for our nation that we're starting to see like a great awakening start to happen spiritually, Father Frank? There is a spiritual and political awakening, and part of this awakening is is little by little, though we have some strong resistance within mm-hmm. the church, but little by little, people are realizing, wait a minute, religion and politics do mix, mm. not in the sense that we want to turn the church into a political party, but in the sense that when the politics of our day uh, crash up against the church, try to obstruct and even shut down the church and violate God's moral law in, in, in absolutely fundamental ways, it's the church, and it's not the church being political, it's the church being the church that we speak up against this, that we fight back against this, that we defend life, we defend America, we defend uh, uh, authentic uh, virtue, we defend patriotism, patriotism is a virtue. And so um, there is, a, is an awakening here. It's all going to depend, of course, on the outcome of this 2020 election, uh, whether we uh, see that progress continue. It really, it all boils down to this vote. And that's why people have got to be not only not only exercising their own vote doesn't stop there. They've got to be getting as many other like-minded people to vote as well. Amen. Amen. Absolutely, one hundred percent. Yep. So, Father Frank, before we go, because we would love for you to do this, you did it four years ago. Let's say a prayer for our nation and for our listeners. Is this election day is just our you know days away? You know, uh, there is a a prayer campaign that we do called electionprayer.com. There's a beautiful prayer there in English and Spanish. I'd like to say that exactly along the lines of what you just said. Mm -hmm. Oh, God, we acknowledge you today as Lord, not only of individuals, but of nations and governments. We thank you for the privilege of being able to organize ourselves politically and of knowing that political loyalty does not have to mean disloyalty to you. We thank you for your law 
which our founding fathers acknowledged and recognized as higher than any human law. Yes. Thank you for the opportunity that this election puts before us to exercise our solemn duty, not only to vote, but to influence countless others to vote and yes. to vote correctly. Lord, we pray that your people may be awakened. Let them realize that while politics is not their salvation, their response to you requires that they be politically active. Awaken your people to know that they are not called to be a sect fleeing the world, but rather a community of faith renewing the world. Awaken them that the same hands lifted you in prayer are the hands that pull the lever in the voting booth, that the same eyes that read your word are the eyes that read the names on the ballot, and they do not cease to be Christians when they enter the voting booth. Awaken your people to a commitment to justice, to the sanctity of marriage and the family, to the dignity of each individual human life, and to the truth that human rights begin when human lives begin, and not one moment later. Lord, we rejoice today that we are citizens of your kingdom. May that make us all the more committed to being faithful citizens on earth. We pray through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Father Frank. Always, always good to be with you. Always good to have you yeah, on. Sir. Always an honor. Thank you for everything you do. You're welcome. God bless. God bless you. This is the Patriot, the Preacher. That was Father Frank Pavone, and we will be right back. Thank you. One. And we're back with the Patriot and the Preacher. We want to thank all of our guests, Dr. Gary Bauer, Father Frank Pavone, and Dr. Steve Turley for yeah. coming on. Great interviews, great information. Yeah, right. Exactly what we needed this last, probably this last broadcast before the election, Mark. So, I mean, here it is. We're here. Here it is. We're right here. This is something, you know, this was, as most people know, longtime listeners of the show. It's the entire reason we started this show, which is to go and talk to Christian conservatives. So here it is right here and now. Yeah. It's time It's time for every, all of us to stand up and make a choice. Yeah, if you haven't already it. voided you have to be you have to be out there on tuesday please please uh god put something on my heart mark i wanted to share but you know he said that we're gonna have to pray this through all the way until they announce yes and so christians prayer warriors intercessors pray until we hear an answer and even after if you want but you know we need to pray this through because i really believe god's going to give us more time but we gotta really be the church you know what i'm saying mark i totally agree with that we do we have to keep we have, that's right. We have to keep praying through all of this just because, for instance, when you're done voting, it doesn't mean the battle's over because right. we know that, uh, uh, for instance, you know, through our context, um, we know that election attorneys are being dispatched across the country right now. They're going to be in Florida and they're going to be in Pennsylvania and some other battleground states. So when we say that this is a spiritual battle, we that is completely true. We also have forces out there that are going to do everything they can to cause chaos on election night to try to bring in a, another narrative that maybe 2020 was an illegitimate vote as they've done in the past. So I agree with you, Todd. We have got to pray through this and continue to do that. Just really, this is that's our heritage as a nation. We've prayed through almost every challenge this country has ever faced, right? 
That's right. And God has given us tremendous grace in this nation, tremendous mercy. Look at World War II. Uh, look at some of the things that we've been through as a country, of course, the Civil War, different things. And now we're in this, again, defining moment in history, Mark. It's really historic. I mean, where we're at is really historic because it's two completely different ideologies. I mean, if mm -hmm. you were to think of like in the in the 70s or the 80s or the 90s, you know, when you voted, you voted, you know, voted for a party. And, you know, there was like some differences. People reached across the aisle and there was, you know, but now, I mean, it's like stark. I mean, it's night and day. And so we can, you know, say very legitimately, it's a battle between light and darkness because the other side on every level almost is demonic. And so, you know, we just have to say it like it is. It's, it's darkness. It's, it's captivity. It's communism. It's all the things that we stand against. That's absolutely every single one of those things we stand against this Ladies and gentlemen, it all comes down to everything you've heard from the other side is doom and gloom. They want to control us, just like Todd said. And so this is our moment right now to stand up for this country, exercise that God-given right to vote. And right now, we are literally 72 hours away from the most historic election that we'll ever see. So I know we have Father Frank pray, and we love having him come on. But, of course, we have Todd to close out every show with a prayer in this prayer. Are you ready? I man. Let's yeah. do it. It's a heavy weight. So it is. Father, we just, man, we, Lord, we really need you. We can't do this on our own, Lord. Uh, you say not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Lord, we're believing, Lord, as the church comes together, as the people of God, whether they're at home with their family, whether they're in their small groups, whether they're at church, wherever they're gathering, that they would be interceding, Lord. And there's a righteous remnant in this nation. And I believe you're going to respond to the prayers of the righteous, Lord, because there's a reprieve that took place in 2016, but we're asking for an extension, Lord. And, and the reason we're asking is so that more people can get saved and set free and healed and delivered. And that your, your ministry in the United States and throughout the world, as Mark said, Lord God, this is the biggest church plan in the history of the world. And Lord, we want to send out missionaries. We want to, want to continue to send out aid. We want to continue to get people in far off places that aren't hearing the gospel to get them saved. And Lord, we have great opportunity in the United States, but we also have a great opposition and the, the enemy wants to come in and steal and rob and destroy and we've never seen it more blatant and more in our face than now where we see this spiritual battle all we have to do is turn on netflix and we can see the spiritual battle all we have to do is go on facebook and we see it right in our face the politicians right in our face lord it is literally at our doorstep people's homes are getting burned down people's businesses are getting burned down they're trying to push a revolution but lord we're say let there be a revival instead of a revolution let there be a holy revolution, Father God. And so this is our prayer today, that you would give us this chance, Lord God, to continue to be the church, to rise up and be the head, not the tail. And so we thank you for letting Donald J. Trump win a second term. And we're not just praying for the presidency, we're praying for the House and the Senate as well, so that we can be about your business and stand for religious liberty and freedom in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Amen to that. Thank you, Todd. Yes, sir. So, ladies and gentlemen, we will talk. We will be with you next Saturday, next weekend after the election. Let's continue to pray for this country. Remember that George Washington said it is the duty of all nations to humbly acknowledge the providence of Almighty God, to implore His will and protection, and be grateful for His benefits. This is our time. So, everybody. 
get out there and vote. And as Todd said, and he's right, continue to pray through election night because this country needs it. We need everybody to do that. Thank you for joining us. We'll be back next week. Until then, I'm Mark Anthony. And I'm Todd Coconado, the preacher. Thank you for tuning in. God bless you. Pray for our nation. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen.